journey into the Citadel, where our pastor is Superintendent Johnson A. Bevan III. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. First time this Sunday with us, a special welcome to you. Uh, we'd love to connect with you and to pray with you and to just be a support to you along this way. God bless you, Sister Cheryl. The bell's in the house. Bless you. Uh, you can text us. Uh, text 7676-2317-676-0134. Again, if this is your very first time, or even if you have a prayer request, or would just like to become a part of our online church community, text 7676-2317-676-0134. You will receive a reply text that will have a link to our digital co uh, connect card. Uh, you can complete the digital connect card. It takes less than 30 seconds. And in the um, uh, comments section, if this is your first time with us, let us know. First time guest, type that in there. If you have a prayer request, you can type your prayer request in the comments section. Or if you just want to be part of our online church community, just type in the con uh, in the uh, comment section, online church. And it's just we just want to stay and remain connected with you and uh, so we can be a blessing to one another and a help one to another. Also, there are ways you can uh, support the ministry uh, via uh, four ways. Uh, one is through Cash App, and that's dollar sign C-O-F-C-O-G-I-C. Again, dollar sign C-O-F-C-O-G-I-C, as well as through the Givelify mobile giving app. Uh, there is a blue bar on our Facebook page that reads Use App. Just tap, 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 tap that blue bar. It will take you directly to Givelify. And uh, just follow the prompts and giving your donation. We also can receive donations by way of PayPal. And that's to Citadel of Faith, Church of God in Christ. And you may just want to mail to the church and we will receive that as well. The mailing address is 7676 East 38th Street in the city of Indianapolis, Indiana. And the zip code is 46226. And so, again, we bless you. We're glad that you're here with us today. And as we go along today, uh, you can comment with me, uh, shout out at me, uh, use an emojicon, emoticon or emoji, uh, and just comment along the way. Even if you've got a birthday this month or you've got an anniversary, uh, wedding anniversary, just let us know if you'd like to put that in the comment section uh, as well. Because we, again, we celebrate all of you who are celebrating your birthday this month of August and also your wedding anniversaries. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Uh, as we would proceed into the word of God. Father, we thank you and we bless you as we always do because you're the one who is only deserving of all the praise and all the glory. And so we bless you and we come before you in the precious name of Jesus Christ, by whose blood gives us access to your presence, to your throne of grace, uh, to find the help that we need uh, in times of trouble and just to give you glory and honor, to bless you and to come before your presence with, with praise and thanksgiving, because God, we do come into your courts and we enter uh, your temple uh, with praise and glory unto you, because you're the only God. Uh, you're the uh, most uh, holy of all that there is. And so we bless you and we honor you. and We thank you, God, for your grace today and waking us up and allowing us to see this day. Uh, that we have never seen before. And so we bless you. We thank you for those who have gathered here with us, God, via Facebook and also on Conference Line. We pray a special blessing upon them, O God, 
that you would provide every need, that you would supply all that they are in need of, and even to exceed, God, just what they're in need of, God, but to excessively and lavishly pour out your grace and your blessing upon them. And I ask you, God, again, to be with us in our time right here. I pray that Holy Spirit uh, would invade us and give us a sweet, holy understanding of the things of God and the work of God and the ways of God as we attend to the word of God. For God, we need your word. We need your word today more than ever before. Again, a special prayer goes up to you, God, for those who are experiencing uh, difficulty and tragedy and heartbreak uh, and difficulty during this pandemic. You're yet still the God who sits high and looks low. You're yet still our refuge and strength. You're yet still our rock and our shield. That has never changed, no matter what changes we may experience in this life upon this earth. And so be God. Show yourself mighty unto your people. Supply, provide, bring forth God out of the storehouse of heaven because you are the one who richly blesses us. Uh, for your word lets us know that you've given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So God, manifest your hand as we seek your face, even upon this day, I pray in the matchless and all-powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Go ahead and give a, a shout out to the Lord God Almighty. God bless you, Sister Siobhan. Hey, I see the cars are with us. Come on in here, y'all. Uh, just give a shout out to God. Type something in there. Give some praise into the Lord this morning because it is the Lord's day. Not that every day is not, but this is the day set aside uh, where saints would generally come and gather together on the first day of the week. And so here we are together. We've been studying in the book of Acts chapter two from the subject matter, a theological perspective on Pentecost. And our intent uh, has been to see the day of Pentecost merely beyond, to see it beyond the event itself. Uh, that certainly is not to minimize the event, but rather to try and maximize it by seeing it with a greater understanding through the eyes of a theological perspective. And uh, that's the reason for that. A person's perspective is always good uh, to see things better. Uh, and uh, a broader perspective helps us to see things and uh, perspective always gives us understanding of some things. So theology is like a lens that helps us uh, see scripture from a broader perspective uh, to gain a better understanding and even to see how it relates to life. And so in the Acts, uh, book of Acts chapter two, uh, that layout consists of four sections and we've already dealt with and addressed the event uh, that's recorded in the first four verses of Acts chapter two. And then we took a look at its extent and its effect. Uh, from verses 5 through 13. And uh, the explanation of the event, that was mighty powerful. Uh, we looked at that in detail last week, and that's in verses 14 through 36. And the fourth part deals with the effect of the explanation, and that is in two parts. And we will take a look at a part of that this morning. But again, last week, we took a detailed look at uh, Peter's explanation of what took place on the day of Pentecost. And through the lens of theology, I've shared a lot a little bit with you uh, and taking a look at it from this kind of perspective. Uh, but through the lens of theology, this portion of Peter's spirit-inspired proclamation we saw was eschatological. That's a big word there coming from eschatology uh, that deals with the last days. And then it's also pneumatological. 
about the Holy Spirit coming from the word pneumatology, about the, the person, the nature, and the work of the Holy Spirit. And we also saw from last week's uh, look uh, that uh, Peter's uh, Spirit-inspired proclamation was uh, also Christological. That comes from the word Christology, which just deals with uh, the nature of the person and the work of Jesus, who is the Christ. And so in that first segment of Peter's explanation, verses 17 to 21, uh, it provided an answer for us to uh, the what is this thing that was happening on the day of Pentecost. And additionally, uh, within the answer that Peter gives, uh, it addresses what not only what this is, but also how it occurred. And Peter's answer explained again, what is this? And then he expressed it based upon the prophet Joel, specifically the prophecy that Joel had written some time ago. And again, it was presented in the framework of eschatology dealing with the last days and pneumatology uh, that deals with the working and the nature of the Holy Spirit. The second segment of Peter's explanation in verses 22 through 36 explain the why of this. So the first section explained the what, and the second section of Peter's proclamation it explains the why this is, or why it has happened. This portion of Peter's explanation was based on the person of Jesus Christ. The first part was based on the prophecy of the prophet Joel, and the second part's based upon the person of Jesus Christ, who is the messianic fulfillment and the ascended Lord, of the scriptures that Peter uh, linked and addressed uh, out of the Psalms. And this second segment then uh, will be presented in the framework of Christology, as we mentioned for mentioned there. But Peter in that second part directed their attention really to the story of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is the central aspect of everything about the gospel and about the kingdom of God. And he concentrated on Jesus's life uh, in four aspects. One, was Jesus's life and ministry, which were approved and accredited by God. Secondly, uh, he took a look and dealt with Jesus's death on the cross, which was something that was predetermined. It was a predetermined plan by the counsel of God, yet it was carried out by lawless persons who conspired and contributed uh, in executing Jesus by the way of crucifixion. And thirdly, uh, he dealt with Jesus's resurrection from the dead by which God the Father had raised him up from the dead, freeing him from death's bonds, which couldn't really keep a hold or grip on him. And thirdly, uh, he addressed in his proclamation in that second portion, dealing with Jesus's exaltation and his ascension from the resurrection, which put Jesus in the second supreme position of authority in the universe, catch that, in the universe, from which was the absolute reason and calls for the outpouring of the Spirit that took place on the day of Pentecost. And so now we want to move into the effect of Peter's explanation. And that's in two parts. One is the immediate effect, and the second part of that is the after effect. And so today we're going to just break into uh, the immediate effect of Peter's proclamation, which is found in verses 37 through verses 41 in, again, as I said, in three parts. Uh, one is the people's response. God bless you, Brother Ronnie. See you, Sister Carmen. One is the people's response 
to Peter's proclamation, the preaching. Secondly is Peter's reply uh, to the people's response. And thirdly, uh, the people's decision in regards to Peter's reply. And so for the remainder of our time here this morning today, we're going to focus on the first part, the people's response. And again, we're in Acts chapter 2. I'm going to read to you verse 36 and 37. And it reads like this. This is toward the end of that second segment of Peter's preaching. And he sort of concludes to some degree, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus, whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. And then verse 27 reads, Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And so the first part deals with the people's response. Uh, upon hearing Peter's preaching about Jesus Christ, the crowd was pricked in their heart, as the first part of verse 37 reads. Now, this pricking was a cutting or a piercing to the core of their being. They were deeply troubled and they were agitated. Uh, they were conscious stricken and convicted of their sin. Ah, they were convicted of their sin. And this is truly the work of the Holy Spirit. As Jesus said of the Spirit uh, in John chapter 16 and verse 8, when he was with the disciples in the upper room, and he let them know that he was not going to leave them comfortless, but that he was going to send the Comforter. And he declared that when he, when the Comforter, when the Spirit comes, he will convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. And so they were pricked in their heart upon hearing the words of Peter's message on this day of Pentecost. But what was the sin? What was the sin they were convicted of and cut to the heart with? Well, they had come to the awful realization that in crucifying Jesus, they had rejected and had murdered the long-awaited Messiah, who was really their only hope of salvation. My God, you catch that? They realized that by crucifying Jesus, they literally rejected him, and they murdered the long-awaited Messiah, who was their only hope of salvation. How might you feel if you found yourself one day in a position where any hope of salvation, any hope of rescue, any hope of deliverance had been cut off, but especially at your own doing. This is where they were when Peter preached that uh, magnificent message on the day of Pentecost. Peter's preaching had reached the hearts of the people. And this point really, to the penetrating nature of God's word and the incisive impact of preaching God's word, especially under the unction of the Holy Spirit. And in this, we see two things, at least I do. I see two things. Number one is the power of the word of God. And number two, the purpose of preaching the word of God, the power of the word of God and the purpose in preaching the word of God. As to its power, 
take a look with me in the book of Hebrews, uh, in the book of Hebrews, in uh, the New Testament. It's a little further back from where we are in the book of Acts. It's right before James. Uh, but in the fourth chapter, uh, we read this verse, these words in verse 12 of Hebrews 4. For the word of God is quick, powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to dividing, to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents, guess what, of the hearts. They were pricked or they were cut uh, to their hearts. And in this, we see the power of the word of God. For Hebrews 4 and 12 prevents, uh, presents uh, four things uh, in regards to the nature of God's word. First of all, it is present. The word of God is present. It says, for the word of God is quick in the King James. Uh, that really means that the word of God is living. It is a lie. The word of God is not a dead speech, if you will, of, of a bygone era in time. It is present. It is now. God's word is living. But not only that, as released to the nature of, the, of, uh, of God's word in relation to its power. It is powerful. Number two, it is powerful. For it reads, for the word of God is quick and powerful, all right? The word of God is active. The word of God is active and effective, especially in carrying out God's intention. So when the word of God goes out, it is powerful. The prophet said, it would not return back unto me void. That's what God says through the prophet. When he sends his word out, it will not come back void because the word of God is not only alive, but it's active. It's effective in carrying out God's intention and the purpose of that word. But not only do we see uh, that the word of God, the nature of the word of God is present and it's powerful, but it's also piercing. It's piercing. For it reads, not only is it quick or alive, it's powerful, but says it's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the dividing of sunder of soul and spirit and of the joint and marrow. The word of God is piercing. The word of God is like a razor sharp, or it's as razor sharp, it's razor sharp as a surgeon's knife for making an incision, to making a cut, to making an incision. But the word of God is not just razor sharp as such, but it has a two-edged capacity. And the word of God has the capacity uh, to cut, all right, as it did when Peter preached that word for it cut them, it pricked them to their hearts. It has the capacity to cut as it did on that day, but it also has the capacity to heal. Uh, the psalmist said, God sent his word and it healed them. And so uh, the wow of God's word, based upon its nature, it's present, it's powerful, it's piercing, but it's also penetrating. Again, we're dealing with on the day of Pentecost when Peter preached that message that it pricked their hearts, it grabbed their hearts, it got a hold of the core of their being. And that's because of the power of the word of God, its nature, its presence, its powerful, its piercing, but it's also penetrating. The last part of that fourth verse in Hebrews, uh, that 12th verse rather in Hebrews 4 reads, and as a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. So it is piercing even to the dividing of son of the soul and spirit and of the joints. And the moron is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. 
The word of God is penetrating. It can break past the surface, reaching to the depths of our being. It can go deep down. It's a discerner of the faults and intents of the heart. God's word is penetrating, all right, as to its power that gripped them through that Holy Ghost message preached by Peter on the day of Pentecost. But not only do I see the power of God, the power of, uh, the power of the word of God being manifested through Peter, Peter's preaching, but also the purpose of the preaching of the word of God, as we read there in that 37th verse. Now, as it relates to the purpose of the preaching of the word of God, take another look at passage of scripture with me. We're going somewhere with this. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, uh, the purpose of the preaching of the word of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul that's writing to the church at Corinth, and starting in the first verse, it reads like this, and I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you, save or except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. Here you go, catch this. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing or persuasive words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power that, hinder, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of of God, the purpose of the preaching of the word of God. The true purpose of preaching is not to steer people into putting trust in the wisdom of man, but to place one's faith in the power of God. You catch that? The true purpose of preaching is not to tease people. It's not really to make people laugh. Uh, it's not made, not to make people have a funny, good feeling, all right? The true purpose of preaching is not to steer people uh, existentially in terms of our living, uh, to put our trust in the wisdom of man, but rather to place our faith in the power of God. Now, interestingly, go with me here. Paul continues in his writing. We're going to tie this in here in a minute. Paul continues in his writing in verses six through eight in informing us of the danger of putting trust in the wisdom of man. He continues on here in verse six of second, first Corinthians chapter two. Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. Uh, there's that here, there's that mystery again. As I see that, uh, that Supervisor Lewis, God bless you, Supervisor Patricia Lewis. God bless you, if that is you. God bless you today. Glad to have you with us. Uh, uh, the, he says, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. We looked a little bit at that the last few weeks here. Uh, and Paul, in dealing with the mystery, this is on our Wednesday night study, uh, the mystery of the musterion. There was a mystery in regards to God's plan. And mystery, uh, presume as does Revelation, 
uh, that something is concealed and hidden. And so the mystery is that something has been previously hidden and therefore being prevented from being known. Paul dealt with that mystery. You can check back with us and go back even and look at some of our Wednesday night studies here uh, on Facebook uh, from this past two Wednesdays. Uh, dealt with that in, in uh, some detail there. It says, but we speak the wisdom of God, the wisdom of God in the mystery, even the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the world because it was hidden in God. All right. Since the foundation and before the world unto our glory, we're going to verse eight. He says, which none of the princes of this world knew. They did not know the wisdom of God. None of the princes of this world knew for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. My God, the danger of putting trust in the wisdom of men, those men who Paul was preaching to, the people that he was preaching to there on the day of Pentecost, they had conspired and they were part of taking uh, part into the execution and crucifixion of the only hope that they had, the long-awaited Messiah. And so in this, in this, Paul places preaching Jesus Christ and him crucified, you get it, him and Jesus Christ, preaching Jesus Christ and him crucified as the wisdom of God. That's what Paul is saying here in Second and First Corinthians chapter two. He places preaching Jesus Christ and him crucified as the wisdom of God. And as a matter of fact, above and before anything else, Jesus Christ is the wisdom of God. Just stay there in First Corinthians, flip to chapter one. Give me before anything else, even before redemption, Jesus is the wisdom of God. And Paul is saying that the true purpose of preaching the word of God is not to steer people to trust the wisdom of man, but to place one's faith in the power of God which Paul says is the wisdom of God. And we see that Jesus Christ is the wisdom of God above everything else. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 1 and 30 says, but of him are you in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom ah, and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So in rejecting Christ, those people that Paul Peter was preaching to in rejecting Christ, they had in actuality rejected the wisdom of God. And in so doing, they also rejected the power of God, which is the only thing that can save us. My Lord, my Lord, that was some heavy stuff that was happening on the day of Pentecost. Ah, when Peter stood up along and among the 11, the other 11, and opened up his mouth under the unction of the Holy Ghost and began to preach, to explain what was happening to those people on that day. But in rejecting the wisdom of God, in essence, they also had rejected the power of God, which is the only thing that can save us. Jesus is the wisdom of God and the wisdom of God is the power of God. Look at first Corinthians chapter one. Again, we're going, we, we, I think you see where I'm going. Look what Paul says again about preaching. All right. 
And again, centering this in the person of Jesus Christ. His explanation, the first part of it was based upon the prophecy of the prophet Joel. The second seg segment of his message was based on the person of Jesus Christ, who is the wisdom of God. And the wisdom of God is the power of God. Look why Paul puts it in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the dispute of this world? And hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? Preaching of the gospel is not to steer people to trust in the wisdom of this world and the wisdom of man. Goes on to write in verse 21 of 1 Corinthians 1. For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block, unto the Greeks foolishness. But catch this right here. But unto them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. So in rejecting the power of God, rejecting Christ, they were rejecting the wisdom of God. They were rejecting the power of God. And so in their anguish, as Peter, under the power, the anointing, the unction of the Holy Ghost, on that day, preaches unto them what's happening and why it's happening. In their anguish, coming to the impactful realization, again, because of the power of the word of God and for the purpose of preaching the word of God. In their anguish, coming to the, oh my God, impactful realization from Peter's Holy Ghost-inspired proclamation of what they had done in murdering the Messiah. Their inquiry now changes from what it was in verse 12 of Acts 2. Their inquiry was, what does this mean? After Peter got through dealing with them and explaining what was taking place and why it was taking place, what had occurred and who caused it to happen and who it was, why? When they came to the impactful realization that in murdering the Messiah, their inquiry changed from what does this mean in verse 12 in seeing the supernatural work of the Spirit. It changed to a cry of what shall we do? All from Peter's proclamation. And that's due through the anointing, the unction of the Holy Ghost upon uh, the preaching of Peter. And again, the power of the word of God because of its nature of being present and alive, being powerful, is active, piercing uh, to the heart, going down deep. They were cut to their heart and it's penetrating because it breaks past through the surface of everything. We put out God's able to go down deep into the core of our being and to the purpose, because of the purpose of the preaching, not to steer people to trust in the wisdom of this world.
to trust in the wisdom of man, but to put their faith in the power of God and the wisdom of God and the power of God, Jesus, who is the Christ. They had to change their perspective, huh? To ask the question, what shall we do? My friend, stick with me. All right, don't leave me on this point. Stick with me, stick with me in our Sunday series here as we're dealing with a theological perspective on Pentecost. Uh, this was just a prelude unto the theological aspect, all right, in regards to uh, the next part of this moment on this day of Pentecost. But it's a powerful thing, the preaching of the gospel and the power of the gospel. We'll pick up next week uh, to deal with Peter's reply to their inquiry of what shall we do. But I tell you, if you're a preacher, if you're a preacher of the gospel, elder, minister, uh, reverend, minister, whatever you want to call yourself, but you're called of God. All right, that's the first thing, called of God uh, to preach the unadulterated word of God. Make sure that you get a hold of the nature of God, the power of God. Let the power of God rest upon you and then you're able to preach in the power of the Holy Spirit and certainty that everything you do, that it drives to the true purpose of what God has called us to do, not to steer people to trust in men nor in horses, but to rely upon the name of the Lord, to put their faith in the power of God. My friend, we're not finished on this point, but you might be listening or someone may be watching this at a later time. And I want you to know that the power of God and the purpose of God's word drives us all to the point of who Jesus is and what he has provided for us. We're not finished with this here, even to see what Peter's reply was to them. But for you right here today, uh, the message is this. Because of Jesus's life and his ministry, the impact that that had, and the ramifications of his life and his ministry, the ramification and the impact of his death on the cross, the impact and ramification of his resurrection from the dead, the impact and the ramification of his ascension into heaven and his exaltation being seated at the right hand of God the Father has a great impact upon us and that the pouring out of that spirit was because he was exalted. God had given unto him the spirit to pour out, to bestow it upon the church in this age that we're living in right now. Jesus Christ is the only hope of salvation. What the Jews were waiting for was Jesus, the Messiah, their hope of deliverance that had been promised from the prophets of old. He had come and he is yet here. He is alive. He has risen from the dead. He is not dead. He is alive and he sits at the right hand of God, the father. And salvation, our rescue, our deliverance only comes through him. And my friend, if you have not accepted Jesus Christ, if you have not truly come to the foot of the cross of Calvary on that uh, ugly hill outside of the city of Jerusalem, that's what that preaching that Peter was dealing with. And that's what all of the preaching takes place right now between Jesus' ascension and his coming back again. And I guarantee you, he's coming back again. Just like he went up, the apostles witnessed, those disciples witnessed him going up. Jesus is coming back again. All right. He's coming back for those who have called upon him, 
for they that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And my friend today, if you have not called upon the name of Jesus Christ in terms of giving your life to him, uh, you're not ready to meet him when he comes. But today you can change that. You can change that by doing two things, basically. One, confess your sin and confess the Savior. Confess your sin and confess the Savior. And if you, from the depth of your heart, the genuineness of your heart, want to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, repeat these words after me unto God. Not to me, but unto God. Father, forgive me, for I have sinned. I confess my sin, meaning... I agree with you in what you say about my life. Remove the sins from my life. Grant unto me forgiveness this day as I repent. And confess the Lord Jesus Christ. I confess that Jesus died for my sin. I confess that Jesus was raised from the dead for my justification. Thank you, Father, for granting unto me eternal life through Jesus Christ. And grant unto me the gift of your spirit to walk with me, to guide me through this life. In Jesus' name, amen. My friend, have you prayed that prayer? We want to know about it. We want to connect with you. If you sincerely pray that, let us know. I need you to text 7676-2317-676-0134. Again, text 7676-312-317-676-0134. And you'll receive a reply text and a link and uh, uh, complete the connect card out. And if you prayed that prayer in the comment section, let me know. Let us know that I prayed that prayer. We know what that means when you say I prayed that prayer. Well, again, you may be someone that just has a prayer request or want to uh, be a part of our online church community. Again, you can text that number 7676-2317-676-0134. And just let us know uh, in the comment section. Uh, what your concern and delight is. Uh, we just thank God for you being with us today. I bless all of you. If this has been your first time or you've just been gathering for a little bit with us, we appreciate you taking out the time to be with us. And I pray that you've received something of substance for your life and even for somebody else. If you'd like to support the work of our ministry, we would love to uh, for you to do that. Uh, you can give a gift at any time in any amount, and I'm serious, any amount, no matter how small, or how large? No amount is too small and no amount is too large. You can give in four ways. One is through Cash App, and that's dollar sign C-O-F-C-O-G-I-C, dollar sign C-O-F-C-O-G-I-C. Or you can give through Givelify. Uh, there is a blue bar in our, our Facebook page uh, that reads Use App. You can just tap that bar. It will directly take you to Givelify. Just follow the prompts and give me your donation. We also can receive donations through PayPal. And that's to Citadel of Faith, Church of God in Christ, as well as through the mail to 7676 East 38th Street, City of Indianapolis, Indiana, zip code is 46226. Uh, we greatly appreciate any support uh, unto the ministry. 
If you're out and about and going about your way, you can also uh, take us along with you uh, for spiritual inspiration and some Bible teaching on the go uh, on our podcast entitled Journey to the Citadel. You can find us on Apple and Google Podcasts as well as on uh, Soundbreaker, uh, iHeartRadio, and uh, Spotify. Spotify. Spotify is good, y'all. Spotify is good. And also you can uh, catch our podcast on our uh, website. And the website is citadelkojic.com. That's www.citadelkojic.com. Please like us and follow us here on Facebook. You also can follow us and uh, like us and follow us on Instagram and also Twitter at Citadel Kojic. And uh, just certainly want you to know that if you receive something of uh, worth today and some uh, good spiritual uh, word, uh, share that with somebody uh, by sharing that on your timeline so they can also get a, get a, get a taste of what you're receiving here through our ministry. And also recommend us here on Facebook, if you would, please. Please be with, be with us this coming Wednesday. We'll be back at 7 o'clock p.m. We'll continue up in the book of Ephesians in our study on the work of the Holy Spirit in the book of Ephesians, yet in the context of New Testament teaching. I just want you to know that Lady Reed and I, we love you, love you, love you very dearly, but God loves you more, and that's most important. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And lastly, whatever you're going through in this pandemic, or whatever might be happening in your life, just remember the words that Jesus said, if you can believe all things are possible. God bless. Have a remainder and joyful day of the Lord. I look to see you this coming Wednesday at seven o'clock. Peace.